Hey guys, welcome back to the Kind of an Expert podcast, the only podcast where the guest picks the topic of every single episode. My name is Corey Tyndall, and as always, I'm your host. And this week, we sat down with New York City comedian Lynette Palladino for a second time to talk about her experience of being in the military. The first time she came on, she talked about being a parent. We briefly touched on what it was like for her to be a parent while also being active duty uh, military in the reserves. Um, this time we leave fully, lean fully into the military part of this. So we talk about her history, what made her get into the military, uh, the different paths she could have taken um, as she was progressing in her military career. And then we end it by talking about the war in Ukraine and a little bit uh, with the China-Taiwan situation. Um, she does intel for the military and I thought she'd be a great person to ask. And it turns out I was right. She was awesome. She knows so much about how this is going and it was really interesting. You can follow her at Lynette Palladino on Instagram, uh, and you can come to her weekly Grizzly Pear Show uh, in New York City. So if you find yourself in the city, it is every Tuesday night at 10 o'clock at the Grizzly Pear in Greenwich Village. Um, you can always find me at Corey T Comedy on all social media, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, and come check out, if you're in the city, my Thursday night show. So you go to Lynette's on Tuesday, come to mine on Thursday called Ope, a comedy show. It's in the East Village in the downstairs bar of a restaurant called Ferns. You get a free drink with every ticket. It's a ton of fun. Lynette's been on it before. She will definitely be on it again. With that, let's get into the episode. What did you? Yeah, yeah. Just kind of tap it a couple of yeah, times, make very sure technical. that. Yep, yep. Tap, tap. All right, the bars are going up and down. I don't know. I'll, I'll fix it in post. I in, I interned with a music producer in high school, and honestly, it's helped me more now than anything else I ever learned in high school. That's just amazing. Like six weeks of learning how to use Audacity and like knowing I need to compress audio files oh. is like that's it. That's the only thing I use now from high school. Literally, gun to my head, I wouldn't have known what audio software is out there yeah that's that's why it was helpful i was like i would have had no idea i would have just been googling like an idiot yes yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's how i do most of my life yeah i that's how it is like i think that's how it's going to be in the future like i don't think i ever need to know anything again <laughs> i just need to be able to ask google the right question i don't know i feel like something should be top of mind well, like what <laughs> without like a delay i don't know google what's my mom's birthday they'll tell me eventually like facebook would probably be the first link and be like it's march 6th and i'd be like great cool it's all i need to know but that's that's gonna become like the playground like uh roast or you know a challenge like without google answer this <laughs> yeah i can't wait oh i would have killed it as a kid as a kid yeah yeah yeah. now i'm useless just totally i've gotten so much dumber than when i was a kid my ceiling was so high it didn't live up to any of it it's so funny you should say that because my kid is starting to do simple addition yeah she's four and a half and i'm not saying that because she's gifted at all she's not (laughs) i just it's like the expectations for her are so much higher can't do it can't i was so in third grade i would skip one recess per month because I was on the math team and I would take a math test. And in third grade, I was nationally ranked in math. 
And so my my parents were sitting there like, holy shit. Like, is he like, <laughs> is he going to go to like MIT? Is he going to be an engineer? I was like, no, that was my ceiling. That was as good as I ever was at math. I like tricked everyone for a little while. And then now like I slowly kept getting knocked backwards in grades in math. In fourth grade, I passed out all uh, passed out of all of the math stuff. Fifth grade, I like got bumped up a grade. Sixth grade, I was bumped up. Seventh grade, I was bumped up two. And then, um, or like the track I was on was supposed to end me with high school being two years ahead in math. Yeah. But I just slowly kept going back down until college. I was right where I was supposed oh. to be. <laughs> I was just totally, just what totally waste. It was such a waste. Whose parents, fault is that? Yours it's or your... mine. No, I didn't, you know what it is? I think I'm not good at math. I think I'm good at pattern recognition. Uh. And I think easy math is just recognizing patterns. And you only have to remember a few of them. But That's as fair. math got harder, it's not patterns anymore. You actually have to know what you're doing. Well, I did think about that. I was like, because I, I feel like my kid is at least smarter than I am. But I don't think she's brilliant, which is unfortunate because her her father is brilliant. Okay, like, like my sure. je- my genes got in there like slowly roll. Oh, it must be really tough to be the parent. You're like, this is my bad. I'm yeah. so <laughs> one thousand percent. She's super nice to everyone. That came from me. Like not at all. <laughs> no, actually, her teachers love to tell me how funny she is. I'm like, no, 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 no. we're not. We don't want that. No, we don't. We're not encouraging. No, no, funny will come naturally. We don't encourage that. <laughs> I'm waiting for her to become a smart ass, actually. Like, yeah. 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 Well, if you want to, if the listeners want to hear more about that, definitely go, go check out the other episode on parenting because we did talk about like, like uh, her little stories of uh, like her at school, like being, being funny, yeah. which we don't have to get back into, but they were great. They're great stories. She's go listen savage. to, I think it's like episode 93. I don't know. It's the one with Lynette. You'll find it. The, um, yeah, this time though, talking about the army. Because yeah. we talked about it briefly in the last one, how you were an army parent and how that like kind of kind of changed how you would parent compared to like a normal. I don't. I don't want to say normal because like nobody's family <laughs> situation is normal, but like a civilian. A, a civil, yeah, a civilian parent, right? But now I'm like, I want to know more about your like army career. Like, how did how did that start? Like, I I. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like growing up, there were always kids that were like, no, I want to be in the military. Like we had a guy in my grade named Blake who's like his grandpa was a uh, pilot yeah. and his dad was a pilot. And he was like, no, I'm going to be a pilot. Like, yeah. that's what I want to <laughs> do. And then there were just the ones where it's just like halfway through senior year. We're like, what? Stefan's joining the fucking military. <laughs> what happened there? So like, I don't know. What what was your perspective? How did you? I mean, it's really unfortunate. I, I uh... <laughs> What a great way to start. It's no. really sad. Nobody. <laughs> no. no, I was going to say like, uh, it, it's always like the people that you don't expect. And I'm, I definitely fall into that category. I remember when the recruiters would come to school and people would kind of like shun them. Yeah. They were only allowed mm-hmm. to like hang out in certain areas. They were right. barely like allowed to talk to us. And I, if they had just said hello to me, I would have been like, where do I sign? <laughs> <laughs> Like, I was so The old, ready. like, do you want to see the world? And you're like, yes. Yeah. No, I was so ready. I mean, it would have set me on a different trajectory, though, because I think I don't, I wasn't researched or, like, well-versed enough in all of the potential that there is in the military, because you can sure. really, truly do whatever you want, except, yeah. like, cook. 
Like we got rid of cooks. Oh, I was going to say, are there not line cooks in the <laughs> yeah, military they're... anymore? I was like, that's the first thing that comes in is like the dude with the giant soup ladle just giving everyone in line. Like, yeah. I thought that was an option. <laughs> they like they fancied their names up a little. They're like, oh, okay. they're food specialists. But we, sure. we got rid of that. But you can, I mean, I, you can truly from... Uh, nuclear power, submarines, uh, you can become an electrician, a plumber, uh, mm. fucking, you can sing professionally in the army or any of the no militaries. Yeah. yeah. Like, you can make a living as a musician in the military and you're just like, there's just so much that's out there. Or whether you want to go learn a language, the army will pay to send you to Monterey, California, <laughs> which is like on the sure. beach and beautiful. Yeah. Isn't and that like, where Big Little Lies took place? The yes, HBO show. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's, I just think of bougie white women when I think of Monterey. Totally. And so you're like you could get paid to learn a language for a year and then go use that language. Like yeah. it's unbelievable. Hell yeah. And, like we have a huge problem that we'll pay people to do these really specific and like difficult tasks and then once their four-year commitment's done they leave and they go do the same thing they were doing for the army but for like three times the money oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah. that's any government job it's like get the experience with the government and then go make money somewhere else because what is that like lobbyists are the kings lobbyists consultants uh i hate consultants analysts that's not what this podcast is about how much i hate consultants but um no, that's really interesting, and I I don't think I had that scope either when I yeah. was in when I was in high school because our like the recruiters would show up, they got to like post up outside of the lunch room during which like maybe they weren't allowed to go everywhere, but that's a pretty good high traffic spot. Like yeah. they, we didn't just like put them in a corner of the gymnasium and hope that three kids walk through. Like they had a good spot, but like they had like a push up challenge and like a pull up challenge. So all the boys are like, Oh, I bet I could do more push ups than you. And like, if you got a really high number, they'd be like, you should call us. But- <laughs> <laughs> Which is ridiculous. I know. It's like, um, there's so few tasks in the military that require you to be physically fit. <laughs> okay. But that is, is something that I want to get into that I I don't think a lot of people know because my in my mind the military because I had watched Band of Brothers that's what it was it was like you are a foot soldier and then you are like you are you have to be in great shape you're gonna get shot yeah and then that's and, the end of and the story. Captain Sobel's running you <laughs> yeah, up and yeah. down the mountain <laughs> exactly that is exactly what I thought it was and then like as I got as I went to college I became friends with a couple of the ROTC kids mm-hmm. and like their life also seemed like it sucked like they were getting up at five in the morning to go run hills and shit yeah. and I was like also terrible but then like when i became an adult i was like oh you could just like most it's not mostly that and it took like how long did why did what was your mentality what did you think it was in high school and then how quickly did you figure out like oh no there's so much more yeah. That's not just like lifting weights and climbing over walls. I'm like you know? the perfect idiot because I was so naive. <laughs> I really was. That I'm, is what the government wants. I was so naive. <laughs> I should have joined immediately out of high school. Like I should have done a little research about what I wanted to do long term with my life and joined immediately out of high school. It would have made like the rest of my life a little bit easier. I don't know that I would have done my four and gotten out. I mean, probably because I would have been so young. Like sure. I would have been, you know, 22 and had a full-fledged career already, I would have earned all of this. Yeah, all of this credit towards college. Um, And so instead, what I did was I got to college. I went to Fordham, and I did ROTC through Fordham. Okay. So I did get some free college. Um, This is kind of the bananas part of 
like the military. Uh, when I graduated college was the beginning of the recession okay. um, in 2008. Don't do the math, fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> but it, we'll just call it the 2020 recession. You just it, graduated it ex- college a oh, couple of years ago. Um, and so I I joined ROTC about halfway through college. And so I oh, only got a partial scholarship. Okay. And that scholarship was still really valuable. Fordham at the time was like 45000 a year. Sure. So I got one year of college paid for. The rest I took out in loans. Um, but in 2008, none of my classmates were landing jobs right out of school. Sure. Unless you had spent every summer like working your ass off doing internships, which I don't think most of us had the foresight to do. Yeah. That was, yeah. <laughs> like we were all fucking off at like, summer camps or restaurants sure, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah let me go work at the ice cream station i did in high school exactly like, yeah. yeah so like i i was lucky in that i at least had a job immediately upon graduating um and then when you're in rotc you're on the officer track you're gonna get commissioned right which is very different than if i had enlisted as an 18 year old where my my initial rank in the army would have been a private right. and then you work your way up specialist sergeant etc so I start as a second lieutenant and picking your branch um, as a second lieutenant is determined by one of two things, whether you're going to go active duty or whether you're going to stay in the reserves. Reserves is both mm. the reserves or National Guard. The difference between the two is whether um, if you're in the National Guard, you have a state and a federal mission. So like, okay. the governor of your state is the highest like official in your chain of command because okay. he can mobilize you for like natural disasters and um state emergencies sure. like covid stuff like that uh if you're in the reserves then you only have a federal mission and it's very rare that you would be mobilized for like a natu- natural disaster sure okay uh, so whether you go reserves or active duty determines your branch so if you okay. if you choose to go active duty you are playing the lottery because it's you against all like 3,000 other lieutenants that are commissioning that year. Ah, and they, okay. they rank you based on like academics. Oh, no. Performance <laughs> in ROTC, physical fitness. Sure. All that shit goes into it. But there's a little bit of the janitor theory that happens too. Hit me. So do you know the janitor no. theory? So back in the day when everything was like carbon copy, like it was 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 paper, uh, you'd be shocked when somebody got into Harvard. You're like, how'd that idiot get in? Right. And it's because the janitor walks in, he's cleaning up, and he knocks over the two piles, doesn't know which is which. Uh, <laughs> okay. And fucks it up. And like, you know, a kid that should not have gotten in suddenly sure. gets in. Yeah. So the army does that. But basically what they do is, they take the top 10% of each third and they give them their primary choice. Mm. So if you're shit hot and you... Each, each third of what? Like they break all 3,000 of us into thirds. Okay. So there's the, the, the top, top, third, middle, the third, middle, and third. then the, the dirtbags. Sure. And so the top 10 will, of those groups will usually get their first choice. And mm. the idea is that if you left it to only the top 10% of people always get their branch, then you're going to have an uneven distribution of good soldiers in like the cool branches. Ah, right? okay. Like everybody sure. wants infantry and everybody wants aviation. Okay. And everybody wants 
intel. So you like, got to put some morons into the infantry <laughs> yeah. and intel. I got gotcha. you. Wow. That's, I mean, but I guess also, that's a good way to like mix it up. You got to put some shit hot people into things like chemical core. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, you can't not, you can't have all dumbasses in chemical core, you know? Totally. I don't. <laughs> but you're like, oh my God, how that idiot. Like, like you know, that's when like you start to get upset because like I'm an intel officer and I'm like, oh my God, we're the same. And some people wash out, right? Ultimately, like they don't make it through their sure. basic course and then they get pushed off to something can else. I, can I ask where you were at in your thirds? I wasn't ranked because I didn't go active duty. I chose ah, okay. I chose to go into the reserves. So at the time I, I chose to go into the New York National Guard, which was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I don't recommend it to anyone. No. Uh, no. It was um New York National Guard has a notorious rep- uh, reputation for being a good old boys club. Sure. And it's it's just very frustrating. So and it took me way too long to finally like cut ties and leave that organization Mm. i'm just in the reserves now okay but when you go into the reserves whatever unit you're going to commission into has to give you a paragraph and line number for the slot you're going into okay and that slot will determine your branch so if you really want intel you have to find a slot somewhere in the state or in the nation if you're a reservist that has a vacant second lieutenant intel slot gotcha and that's okay yeah so you can like pick a little bit yeah if you're i mean if you're reservist you can pick 1000 percent. like unless you're like truly lazy about it and you're just like oh my god i'm commissioning in two months and i don't have a branch yet (laughs) like which is just crazy like every so many things would have had to have gone wrong for for that situation to happen i don't know it's like (laughs) I've seen some pretty stupid people do some pretty stupid things. One thousand <laughs> percent. It's it's amazing. I yeah. feel so like I guess what is the I think it's easy to look at like oh ROTC is the smart kids and everyone who just like enlisted as a private are the idiots. But it's like yeah. I'm sure there's more of a spread than it's that. It's hard I, I hate that. Um this this came up on another podcast. God I, damn it. I, I was ha- trying not to repeat myself. No, no. Um it was I I only bring it up because I got into like a little bit of a tiff with those hosts because I oh. was like, there's this horrible misconception about people who join the military as joining because we have no other alternatives. Right. Like we have no other options or like um you know, they, they were just dumb and we didn't, we couldn't do, like, that's not the military. Like, FYI, yeah. there is a minimum score. Like, you, yeah. can, you can only be so dumb and be in right. the army. You don't want a complete moron because then they get other people killed. Yeah. And you're like, you can't have this idiot killing the smart people. You need other smart people. Yeah. Like, you know? Like, if you're, like, extra dumb, like, that's when we make you, like, a laundry specialist. <laughs> Do they give cool titles like that for the most basic shit? And uh, it's like the Swiffer specialist. His job's just a Swiffer. And I feel like, bad even saying like <laughs> extra dumb. Like it's, it's sure. unkind. I've had soldiers like I had a soldier who um, legitimately could not read. Uh, oh, wow. He had faked his way through life Great. and had obviously had a horrific. He's probably pretty smart in some ways if he's able right. to pull that off. Yeah. So this was his deal. Like when I had him as a soldier in Iraq, he was 26 years old and he taught himself to read a little by basically memorizing the order of letters. He didn't know the sound of letters. Sure. He recognized the shapes and he would go, well, that word looks like might. So maybe it's tight. (laughs) Oh, that's 
really okay legitimately like did yeah. not know how to read and i had i spent like four months of that deployment after hours working with him and a, this wonderful woman in North Carolina who was a certified reading specialist and we would go over things and I was like teaching a full grown adult how to read. But that's he, why your kid's gifted now. No. It's just you had so much practice from trying to do this to for an adult. But he was one of those kids that unfortunately tested so poorly. The army was like, here are the things you can do, even though intellectually he was capable of so much sure. more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just under education. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's wild. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, there is a horrible misconception that like people who join the military are just doing it for you know because they their lack of opportunities or you know and of course the 80s didn't help when there was a policy of like you can go to jail or join the army right yeah 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 <laughs> like, i mean that's i guess that's the only other thing i knew when i was growing up is like oh 18 gotta sign up for the draft and it's like i hope we don't start a war and that's like well that's legit like um, oh, i know <laughs> you but a lot of people don't a lot of people don't know that if you're a, a military aged male in the united states between 18 and 26 if you don't register for the draft you're technically committing a felony right and it could have repercussions for you like you won't be eligible for federal student aid yep. if you choose to go to school um it's a lot of those like housing loans like there's a, a whole litany of things if you do end up committing a crime they will add that on top of it yeah like, like some <laughs> exactly Oy. yeah so it's one of those things that isn't prosecuted until they want to sure right i had a lot of plans to commit tax fraud so i, was like, <laughs> I just need the one can't do both um so how did you get into intel then like was that something that you wanted to do from the get-go or was that more just you kind of fell into it no i kind of fell into it and it, it thank god it worked out uh, unfortunately <laughs> it was um what's the worst one? Oh, for me chemical court because okay. i i hate mop gear mop gear is like that full hazmat suit you oh, have to wear shit, yeah like you walk around yeah, in a yeah, rubber yeah, suit like, all day i'm like no, no, no i no. bet it's hot and your it's, makeup it's, runs exactly and it's, it's like, disgusting it's a travesty so gross <laughs> i was like i'm not I don't have good eyesight, so aviation was out. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I was too tall for that anyway. I was, I'm too old to be of the generation where women were allowed into combat arms. Like, oh, okay. So if you're female now, you can commission into uh, the infantry or to armor or field artillery. Would you have? You know, I don't know. I feel like infantry I might have because it's very strategic and like it's a tactical thing. Sure. Um, but it is also... in. It's it's difficult. It's not. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not exactly an athlete. <laughs> nah, please. <laughs> like it's I. But maybe ten years later, after some women had already paved the way, that might have changed things. Okay. I might have viewed it differently. Sure. So you were kind of like anything but chemical core. Yeah. And you wound up in Intel. I yeah. So what is your? So like, I think me and i think a lot of the people listening they think like intel like oh you're going over like back in world war ii would have been like morse code and radar you're trying to crack codes or whatever you that have seems a much more... better relation you like you're much more aware than really? i would say most I do, people i do not think i'm aware um at all so like one what is it now and then two what is the difference between like 
Intel in the reserves versus Intel in active. Like if you were in. Oh, absolutely nothing. Uh, yeah. Okay, it's all the same. Nothing. Yeah. Okay. So one of the big things between the reserves and the National Guard is, if you join the reserves, and you want infantry, then you have to join a National Guard. It doesn't okay. exist in the reserves. Only. I don't know why I can't explain it, but if you wanted to be infantry in the reserves, then you have to belong to a state. Um, sure. So f from an intel perspective, we do the same type of intelligence that active duty does. Like we have all the same collection assets uh, that the active duty component does. Um, to your first question, how has it changed? It hasn't really from like a, a theoretical standpoint. We have different types of collection, which is like the Morse code cracking thing, which probably might have been like a little more signals than um, signals as like communications sure. back then than uh, it, it would be now. But radar, things like that. So we those are different types of ints, ints being short for intelligence. So okay. in the ints community, we have signals intelligence. Um, which is like different frequencies. You know, we're we're constantly listening to things. Okay. Um, we have Mazin, which is measures and signals intelligence, which is like if you park a vehicle on, uh, you know, in an area based off of the heat signature of that vehicle, we can tell what type of vehicle it was. Or oh. like, yeah, like like based off the engine, based off mm -hmm. like okay. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So like your heat signature is different than my heat signature. Sure. Like you're yeah. just bigger mass. Right. Like we can tell the difference between an animal versus a person. Right. Um, so we use that as a, a type of intelligence. Um, then there's like imagery, which is exactly what it sounds like. Take pictures of shit. Yeah. What do you see there? Uh, we have drones that fly, which is which collect a, a variety of things. Then there's human intelligence, which is kind of the sexy one. Okay, yeah. And it's where you like you go out and you develop sources yeah. and you rate them. You're like, what's their cre credibility, their trustworthiness? <laughs> that sounds yeah, like espionage type stuff. Sort or of. Is like, so, I think people think of the CIA, espionage, and the FBI when they think of that, and yeah. less like the it, army. Like but. spying is a little bit more, um, you're, it's a little bit more counter intel too, right? Like cause okay. you're, you're in there and you're trying to gather information, but they don't know your true identity, right? Gotcha. They don't know who you right. are. With human intelligence, they know they're talking to a U.S. official. Mm. They might not know who you, like which capacity you work sure. in, but they know they're talking to Americans. So they're, your job is to determine like is there is do they have legitimately have access to the information that they're telling you like is sure. there any possibility that they really do know so and so and that what they're saying is true like so like you know access to the information um okay in his alleged position within an organization is that something he would know like if he's gotcha you know if he's the bellboy right right right, right. <laughs> he could maybe give you like whether someone went in or out right but not much more than that yeah but he's credible. not gonna know the yeah. financials sure, like exactly. how they're funding their terrorism <laughs> <laughs> that would be smart for the terrorists you give all the financials to the bellboys and he could have everything nobody believe him right there mm -hmm. this is what you gotta do <laughs> but with that said if you're the driver of somebody, that's sure. very different. Right. Because you, you can overhear it. Right. You might be yeah. privy to a lot of conversations. Um, so stuff like that. But yeah, there's, so there's different types of collection. 
And then there's the the all source analysts, which is kind of the category that I would fall into. Okay. All sources, you're taking reporting from all those different sources of collection and you're trying to fit the pieces together. Like if this mm. is telling us this, if and this type of collection is telling us this, then maybe theoretically we could assume this is going to happen. Okay. So huh. like, so like yeah, you're just you're like flagging things based off yeah. all the information. Yeah, but I mean like okay. our, our our collection, especially with all source, a lot of it is heavily dominant on open source information. Okay, and um, social media. Sure. Yeah. Like it's wild. People how are posting dumb. everything on yeah, social media. It's wild how dumb people are. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it was not uncommon during like the height of ISIS for them to be like, look at our cash and then leave like their geolocation <laughs> yeah. on and you're like God, boom. <laughs> get them. <laughs> <laughs> blow that shit up. <laughs> oh man. You know, people are like, How'd you take a rack in two weeks? It's like, well, this you know, every nobody's hiding anything. Yeah. You know? Um, that's super. So, how did you get into all source collection? Like, did that you wasn't get to really pick, a choice. Or As an you, officer, okay. like you, right. um, you have very limited options because the analysts, like my enlisted soldiers, are the ones that are the subject matter experts, right? Like, sure. They're they're going to be the ones that are constantly reading the reports, whereas I'm looking at their their analysis of those reports and going right. like, you're either out of your mind or you're a fucking genius. Right. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. And, like, and I'm sure that changes based on who you're reading. You're like, oh, all right, well, percent. you suck at this, so I'm not going to believe that. And no, then, <laughs> then, and I, sometimes this is like where it's I... It's just can, managing people, you know? There's it is. like <laughs> Sometimes you can't believe the salespeople at my job. And you're like, no, no, you always are too hopeful. Look, I and <laughs> I, sometimes I let them run with them like, all right, if you can justify yeah. it, because analysis is so subjective. Like what you believe sure. and what you're reading is gonna might be wildly different than what I'm reading. And sometimes like the mama hat comes out and you're like, okay, let's walk through this. <laughs> Do we really think? Aw, sweetie. <laughs> oh, it would be, like in Iraq, the last time I was there, like we would sometimes spend like an hour and a half going over their assessments. And I'm like, guys, like let's think about this. Like the, the source on this report is an F6, which right. is like the lowest <laughs> of the low. <laughs> like, but it's good. It's good. It's good. You guy, never know. There could be a kernel of truth. Yeah. It does sound like managing a sales organization, honestly. Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. This this could be a big deal. It's like, this guy's really excited. It's like, that's a coordinator. Like he's worked yeah. there for six weeks. Like, yeah. of course he's excited. He's, he's very, he's new. Like, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, oh, I had a question. I lost it. Shit. This is why <laughs> I'm not a professional. Intel collection? I, I mean, don't know. The, the good reporting, bad reporting. Yeah. Are you allowed to like, could you talk about like specific projects that you've done that happened in the past or is, or is that like too much to talk about on a podcast? No, I, well, I mean, as, as long as I'm not talking about anything top secret, but sure. there's so much, um, especially we're seeing it so much now like if you've been a uh, paying attention to the ukraine war there's hardly gonna go next so there's <laughs> hardly anything about war these days that is secret right like sure. everybody has access to a smartphone everybody has the ability to share information instantly with that magical little device in their pocket yeah. like um when i was in iraq in 2016 there was a website called live ua map 
And mm. this map actually started after Russia invaded Crimea in 2014. Right. And it was off of social media postings. This guy had basically created an operational picture of everything that was happening. And he had all these little icons for like, oh, mm. somebody uploaded a picture today of a tank. And it was in this it's location. Like the Snapchat map. Oh, I don't know that. Like, so like Snapchat, the app, yeah. like you turn on your location and you can like anywhere in the world, you can like zoom in to where it's lit up. And mm -hmm. if you zoom into a spot, it'll show you what the Snapchat is. Yeah. And so like that was like being on Snapchat and TikTok right when Russia invaded Ukraine is you could zoom in on Ukraine. It'd be all these like Ukrainians Snapchat creating Snapchat videos of like tanks rolling in. Oh, yeah. Or like it's, bombings it's or exactly something along like that. that line. So this this guy who's just a Ukrainian created this map and it expanded. It, like when we were creating operating posts, like forward operating bases in the desert in Syria. Yeah. It was immediately popping up on wow. live ua map so That's it's like awesome it's awesome but it also <laughs> terrifying exactly it was like well there's no surprises here right no. like which almost makes you go how the fuck did no one believe us when we were saying russia was going to invade yeah well that okay so that's exactly where i wanted to go is there are kind of like when russia did invade yeah i think a lot of people are like, oh, what the fuck? Like, we didn't think they'd actually do it. And then some of us were like, yeah, why wouldn't they have done it? Like, oh, it was bananas it was like so, to me. Like, their economy's totally stalled. It's just like, I, I don't even like, I'm not a big, like, military buff in any way, but I'm just like, yeah, Putin's an asshole. Like, of course, of he's always said he wants to bring back the USSR. Like, why why wouldn't he? Well, he's invade? not the only one that has these like imperialist uh Right. like uh, what's think, nostalgia. Yes. I think a lot of people, especially in America, were kind of had the attitude of like, "All right, we're done. Like, we won. Imperialism's over. Like, war's over. We can never have war anymore." And it's like besides like little like wars over like terrorist groups yeah when it's like oh the terrorists took over iraq which they didn't um well, i mean you i mean, they, I mean you tell me but like they did yes yeah. isis did yeah um <laughs> but it's like except for that where we're just kind of like policing i don't think they thought like two major nations would go after each other again well, so there's that i want the history on that and then also like throughout the war how much can you believe of the reports that's coming out? It's funny that you called Ukraine a major nation because um, that is a huge problem right now. It's not a major nation. Mm, it is an okay. important nation. It's it's its nickname was the breadbasket of Europe. Right, a lot like, of wheat exports, a huge amount of agricultural exports, and not just to Europe but the rest of the world yeah, too. Like, it's something like like Northern Africa mm -hmm. gets like sixty percent of their like bread from ukraine or yeah, something like grain that from yeah ukraine yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. yeah so but there's there's an argument right now where people are talking about ukraine fatigue like how long can the west continue to support ukraine yeah. fighting russia um um and 
there's a big there's a lot of people that are pushing ukraine towards peace talks they're like look you got so much land back you guys are doing great they're you know they're east of the dnieper river uh let's start talking about peace talks and ukraine's like uh, go fuck yourself yeah we right. still have portions of ukraine that are occupied by russia and ukraine wants to take it all the way back they to want 1991. Crimea back too. they want crimea back okay. and so at what point do small and medium-sized nations get to really live their you know self-determination and uh decide for themselves when they're done without compromising or risking losing support sure yeah because yeah. i mean it's it's <laughs> it's terrible what they're in but you can't be like look guys you're only you're only 40 million people. I mean, it's negligible. I know. I know. It's like, it's like, well, you know, you probably could be part of Russia. It wouldn't be the end of the world. Like, yeah. But you can't really tell them that. It'd kind of be like if Mexico took, like, Costa Rica. We'd be like, hey, don't do that. But also, like, it's kind of right next to you. So, or like, I guess, what's Guatemala? What's right under? Uh, the map is behind me. I can't from see it Mexico? from Mexico? Panama. Yeah. Is that the one that's... No, well, it's there's like Costa Rica, Guatemala, Honduras, mm -hmm. Panama. Um, there's a bunch of them. Anyway, if Mexico was like, we're taking all of Central America, we'd yeah. be like, ah, shit. Can we have some <laughs> of it? Like, <laughs> I don't think we'd be too up in arms. Um, no. <laughs> okay. So what you're saying is like, it sounds like everything that I said is accurate. And I just hear from like the New York times, or the Washington post, wall street journal, whatever, like how much can we trust reporting out of there that like, cause kind of the sentiment around Ukraine is like, Oh no, they're doing a good job. Like they're pushing them back. Like oh, no, Russia's really failing. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's okay. So to go back to the earlier question of like, how did no one see this coming? Like the United States was up in arms by October. They're like, they are encircling Ukraine. Yeah. They have a hundred thousand troops around the border of Ukraine. They are going to invade. I mean, we were literally up until weeks before. I I have a post from the new year, like in January, which was a Russia invaded Ukraine February twenty-fourth. Yeah. Um, that was like, they're gonna take it. And if they take Ukraine, uh, good luck, Taiwan. Like, yeah oh yeah like, this, this is like the practice ground for oh yeah <laughs> china is one thousand percent watching what's happening totally. right now and um i'm actually amazed by their restraint up to this point seriously um, it's oh yeah well it was at least from what i've read how i guess let me rephrase this as a question. How close was you or Russia to taking the Ukrainian capital? They never were. So and that okay. that stunned everyone. Literally I don't think there was an analyst that would have given Ukraine more than a month of being able to fend off Russian forces. Even with help from the West. Even in the with US. help from the West. Like it okay. is unbelievable. And um it's it's been wonderful to watch because it really just goes to show that uh, when morale is high, it, it's a David and Goliath story. Like oh, yeah. you can you're you're capable of so much more than people realize. Now now that the, the war has gone on way longer than anybody anticipated it right. to, it's without a doubt they would not have been able to hold out with West without Western support. I mean sure. like they've gotten so much I think they just got so much another ammunition. eighteen billion from Europe. And then they just got like another like what ten billion from us or something like that. Oh, it's at, it's, but it's not just like the money, like the money that goes to pay their troops and sure. stuff. It's the it's the well, they, 
they use it to buy weapons, right? It's yeah. the weaponry. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, some of the weapons are are just being kind of do- donated, sort of written off, um, mm. which is both good and bad. The military right? can write off weapons on their taxes, just yeah. like we can. <laughs> <laughs> no, we do. Yeah. I mean, that's we... so funny. So, is anybody paying taxes on anything? God damn it. <laughs> we sell we sell our our equipment constantly. Foreign okay. military sales is huge. It's a it's a yeah. We give countries are old outdated shit they're like oh we got new shit you can have this like it's no problem um but yeah they without u.s and western support nato support they would not have been able to hold off this long like especially with things like high mars systems um any or all their air defense systems which and actually ironically some of them are russian systems that yeah. they had in their arsenal or that either like poland had and right. like hey use this shit um, why not yeah does it explode sure <laughs> <laughs> like- <laughs> yes <laughs> but that now we're getting into winter and this is it's just gonna get sad and brutal who who has the advantage in winter because generally if like, correct me if I'm wrong, the defending country normally has an advantage when things get cold, right? Right, but who's defending? Because there's... <clears throat> right. Huge... Ukraine's trying to take land back. Right. Ukraine has been on uh, just a unbelievable offensive for m- months now, since August, where they've been taking uh, huge areas of land back, uh, which is great, but uh, the Russian front has contracted so they are no Mm. longer in this sort of um lobster pincer grip around ukraine they've brought all their forces back well whoever's alive sure Uh, (laughs) and they've really reinforced their eastern boundary Uh, okay so you've got a much higher concentration of troops where they need more protection um, which is great because like kiev which is in the west um right it, they they don't need as large of a standing army to provide a screen for kiev if uh russia were going to attempt to take kiev through belarus or something sure so that's great because it frees up more forces to fight but fighting on the offensive is way more exhausting and labor intensive and um, consumption of resources goes up when you're fighting an offensive if you're in a defensive position then you're dug in you can just chill you have yeah. to wait for them to get you right like if you're we we have these uh, ratios in the military like when you're when you're fighting in a defensive position you can fend off six uh, soldiers with one soldier because mm. they're dug in, they're fortified, they've got stockpiles of ammunition. I was going to say, does that depend on the equipment they have, I'm assuming? Yeah, but, I mean, okay. it's it's just pretty standard. Um, if you're attacking, you want at least three to one odds. Okay. Yeah. So three men for every one. Okay. And yeah. then it'll end up somewhere in the middle between like defense isn't quite one to six and offense could be a little better than three to one. Right. Or yeah. Okay. But, and, but there's different types of def, um, defensive positions that you can take. You can take like an area defense, which is like, all right, I'm going to set up at point a, you're going to set up at point B and you're going to set up at point C and we just stay there and we hold the line. Sure. And then there's like uh, mobile defense, which is the worst case scenario. That's where, I'm going to set up in points A, B, and C. And then when we start to get overrun, we're going to 
bound back to points X, Y, and Z, where we've got fresh soldiers to replace us. We've got a whole new stockpile of ammunition and supplies mm-hmm. and food and stuff. And we were already dug in and fortified. There's obstacles in the way, whether it's like mines, concertina sure. wire, uh, tank trenches. There's a whole nother set of obstacles that the offense now has to overcome when they think things are easing up, no, 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 no. The enemy is just bounding back to regroup and to re to okay to yeah. refresh their forces, which is so, so. When you say it's the worst, you mean it's the worst for the offensive? It's the, yeah, it's the worst okay. for the offense, right? Yeah. If you're in the defense, you're like, this is amazing. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so why would they do the stationary ones and not the fallback? It depends strategy. on how much resources you have. Oh, right? so if they don't have the wire and the mines yeah. and all that stuff, the then bodies. it's better just to if, like. If you don't I have see. bodies, like, are you going to risk letting them punch through your your front lines? Um, sure because you know you have people in reserves or do you want them like they can no under no circumstances get past this point if they get past this point we're fucked because we got nobody in the rear yeah right so that's what it comes down to and that kind of is the case with russia right now i mean they've just attempted to mobilize hundreds of thousands of of soldiers and some some of them are already fleeing the country like um it's it's really interesting what's happening in the Russian populace right now. I don't know. Did you listen to the Daily episode um, two days ago? No. What it was, was it? so the the Daily is the New York Times podcast, and it was um, a the person they were talking to is a reporter who hung out in a draft office in Moscow for a few weeks and just like was interviewing people that were coming and like. Oh, answering their number. What? Answering their number. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And she was talking about how like the they're not even really like they called a draft for all military age men, but like they're not really trying to track them down. They're really only doing it in the city. So like what they're seeing is a lot of men in Moscow are like going to their grandparents house in the middle of fucking nowhere Mm -hmm. because nobody's trying to track them down out in the out in the country. Um, Oh, I've heard other stories where like. Um, they're going to Turkey. They're hanging out in Turkey, but they can't get any work there. They don't speak the language or maybe they don't speak English. So their girlfriends back in Moscow are getting one or two or three jobs to support them while they live in Turkey. Imagine having a girlfriend that's supportive. (laughs) (laughs) Never going to happen. Not going to. It's like. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's wild to me when they're like, like, oh, you're going to Turkey. Well, have fun over there. I'm going to hang out. Not get drafted because I'm a woman in this country sexist still (laughs) it's crazy they're like he supported me for 10 years it's only right that i should do it for him i was like nah find you a good woman i I would have been like if you go i go (laughs) i need a russian chick yeah this is uh um that's an interesting way of looking at it um that's old timey that's some old timey relationship shit that's not you could gen z would never (laughs) (laughs) um no there was the reporter was saying they would go out to like dive bars and pool halls and all this stuff and like putin said like oh we're gonna draft three hundred thousand people and she was like everyone was saying like it doesn't feel like three hundred thousand people it feels like three hundred thousand people per section of the country and like he might be drafting like a much higher percentage of the men than he has kind of told everyone because she'd go out to all these bars and like in Moscow, uh, 
she was interviewing a woman that was saying like i'd go on tinder and there'd be no men like literally no men and i was like wow that that is like is a beautiful (laughs) example of open source intelligence yeah you're like how many military aged males are there left Mm, according to tinder none (laughs) and she was like or you didn't want to go on a date with these men and i was like yeah when the russian military's turning them down don't date them that is (laughs) that is the biggest red flag that the russian military didn't want them (laughs) you're like i might die on the front lines but i'm still not gonna fuck you (laughs) yeah right exactly um (laughs) no but okay so let's say for example that putin is able to conscript a hundred thousand uh russians to 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 help um for i to either launch an offensive or to help with the their current defensive positions uh here's the problem you have russia has lost something like eighty thousand troops that is a lot it's enormous that's so we lost what Five thousand in Iraq. Uh, and total. No, it's like combined Iraq and Afghanistan over twenty years, like seven thousand. Jesus Christ! Now, those are mortalities, right? Those sure. are those are KIA's. There's the wounded in action okay. is certainly way higher, and thankfully, and they're all a casualty, right? So, like the stat of a casualty is injured or right. wounded or killed, I, right? The stat of a casualty okay. is KIA or, or WIA, wounded in action or killed in action. Sure, okay. But 80,000 is still significant. Like, those are people who are out of the fight in one capacity or another. Right. Russia was very slow to change their tactics, and they lost dozens of high-ranking officers. Like, insane. I think... By May, they had lost something like 13 generals. Jesus. Generals. I mean, these are people with 30, 35, 40 years of military yeah. experience gone. And I like, don't think of generals as people that can die in war And anymore. that is exactly correct. It's, like, it's not like they're on a horse in the back of the battlefield and they just got totally. run down. This yeah. is like... They were in a they were in a post, right? Or no, like, that's the problem. They're having such a hard time getting Russian soldiers to fight that these generals are literally having to get out of their vehicles and motivate these soldiers and fucking Jesus, yeah, and like shout down at them and be like, "You're gonna fight. You're either gonna die fighting, yeah, or I'll kill you, or, or they'll exactly. kill you." Yeah, yeah. it's one thousand percent one of those situations. But it was so easy for Ukrainians to look at who was in a formation and be like, "Oh, that guy's got gray hair and he's uh, right. a little out of shape. He's not twenty one exactly. and looks like he's starving." Yeah, and then they just pick him off, and like that's how wow. you lose senior officers. Like, I mean, the number of KIA from lieutenant colonel and up is astounding. Like wow. it never would have happened in the American military. It's just okay. right, and it's because they've literally been having to lead from the front. Wow. So now, when you've lost that much military experience in such a short amount of time, what are you going to do with these conscripts? What are you going to get them to do? You, you can't train them. Like at best, you don't have the resources. All for you it. can do is put them in a trench and be like shoot at anything that moves yeah right and that's it like yeah that's and and that's helpful <laughs> well right it's, yeah it doesn't hurt the cause but it also like but it's also like you're just cannon fodder right 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 wow that is see i didn't know i like i knew a little bit about i knew they were losing like high up people i didn't realize like that's what it was taking and and like what I picked up from the podcast that I listened to is like morale is just so low. So like low. they don't the soldiers soldiers don't want to be there. Yeah. Um, 
they're not trained well. They're not equipped well. Well, a lot of them were lied to. What do you mean? Um, So in the beginnings of the war, like back in the springtime, when Ukrainians were starting to capture Russian soldiers, they'd be like, I'm from fucking Siberia. Like, my mom has no idea I'm here. Yeah. And uh, so legally, uh, per the Russian constitution, a cons... Ah, That doesn't matter. (laughs) So they have... They still have... uh, military service right like they have uh conscription you have to serve x amount of time or whatever or you could buy your way out of it um and but according to the constitution you cannot send a conscript to a fighting zone like that like they're not supposed Mm. to be used in that capacity and they only serve like their contracts are only like 18 months so when the initial invasion started they they had a very finite amount of time to use any experienced soldiers to get this done. And sure. that, that has just disappeared. Right. That, that opportunity is gone. But they weren't supposed to be sent to Ukraine to begin with. So you get these... <laughs> Russia's enormous, right? Yeah. It's huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have these poor Russian soldiers from all over the place like getting kid, ca- captured by Ukrainians who are like, my mom doesn't know I'm here. <laughs> like, yeah. Or like, I haven't eaten in three days. Sure, yeah. Um, it's like, like, can I join you guys? And yeah. they're like... <laughs> 1,000%. Some of them were even grateful to have been kidnapped because they hadn't eaten. They're like, I don't want to be here. I don't yeah. want to do this. Um, the morale is definitely within the country... At the beginning of the invasion, the, the the propaganda machine was so strong. They were like, "Yeah, let's go, let's go free our Russian brothers in Ukraine and bring them back into the motherland, and it's going right. to be great." And everybody was putting didn't, up red Z's everywhere, and that is gone. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, didn't the, didn't they tell the soldiers and the general public in Russia that the Nazis had taken over Ukraine, and it was oh, like there a, was a huge line. I mean, and look, I, there is a faction within the Ukrainian military that is hugely racist sure (laughs) i would assume that's any population you know like i'm sure there's a faction of comedians in new york that's hugely racist this is like (laughs) yeah one thousand percent. there's five thousand of us here i'm sure at least 500 of us are hugely racist right so like and and it's me no i'm kidding (laughs) uh, like no doubt there there was a little bit of truth to that propaganda like there are neo-nazis within ukraine but there are neo-nazis all over the world like that's not specific to ukraine um but the when when russia was (laughs) you know having other russian ministers stand up and be like do you support the 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 special military operation as it was referred to (laughs) and you they were all like, yes, yes, of course, Putin. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, da, 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 da. Why, why would they say no? That's a good way to get killed, you know? Oh, and speaking of killed, it's unbelievable the just like the rash of suicidal depression that has taken over Russian oligarchs. Ooh, yeah. I mean. Well, we took their boat. Who knew? I'd kill myself if I lost my boat. <laughs> no, no, they're not. They're not depressed. They're all being murdered. No, I know. <laughs> it's like this guy was in a Russian hospital and he fell from like the sixth floor. Yeah. Oh <laughs> like, no. <laughs> that's right. He's sixty-three years old and suddenly doesn't know how to use Windows. Right. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, I mean... But also, like, family murder-suicides. Like, oh, Russian oligarch kills wife, daughter, and himself. <laughs> He's very broken up. They couldn't go on vacation to the Maldives this year. Yeah. Um, terrible, terrible. Yeah, it's really... I mean, you know, it's... I think that's more... Uh, like, that's just the type of leadership that any sort of... Like, dictators only last 
20 to 30 years because eventually they get to the point where it kind of eats themselves. It's like they surround themselves with yes men because the no men get ousted, ostracized, kicked out, killed, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever happens to them, uh, they get, they get kicked out. And then after 20 years is like the, so a lot of the places that I'm getting this information from is a podcast called, um, plain English. Go, Check it out. It's really cool. But they had a, a professor of war from the University of Chicago come on. Mm. And he was talking about, like, the Russian military was having such an issue with, like, Putin couldn't get an honest report. Like, yeah. we would get all this stuff, and he would hear it from the 1, New York Times. Who wants and to then give he'd Putin ask bad his news? General, and the general would be like, no, it's all fake news. It's the Western media trying to propagate. And it's like, no, it's kind of right. Like, we were right, and Putin just, like, didn't. Yeah, the generals were kind of in a tough spot. It's like they can't confirm it because then they're going to get killed for doing such a bad job. But also, like they're losing, like they're not doing well. And that's part of the problem when you're not providing accurate after action reviews, right? Like if I just had a battle, uh, what went well and what went poorly? If you're leaving out the what went poorly, you're never going to learn from those mistakes. And when you've already lost all of your senior leaders with tactical knowledge it makes it that much harder because that information needs to be disseminated to everybody right it can't just be the people who just fought that battle who understand what happened it needs to be pushed out to the rest of the troops everyone needs to know oh shit these dudes like are doing okay like they're they're very hyped up to defend their country and if you're (laughs) afraid where that report might end up how high it might go you're not going to put in the report and so now you're doing a disservice to your fellow countrymen who are going to encounter that same problem yeah like it's it's really unbelievable it's astoundingly dumb how ineffective the russian military has been in this campaign and nobody would have predicted that like yeah you know we we were all duped by the invasion in 2014 their performance in and that was quick they yeah. took crimea immediately their performance in uh syria like oh yeah you know, supporting the assad regime like they looked like a legitimate fighting force like a modern military and that's that's our bad too from as intelligence officials because they were pushing out all these little like chirps like oh look look at this new piece of equipment we have or look what we did over here and it was just bullshit it was all smoke and mirrors you're like right all right they well it's just yeah you know they build one thing that's really cool and then we respond by building 25 things because we're scared of that one thing and it's like you know russians like russia's economy i feel like they were they were scarier in the past and it kind of gave us the mentality of like, oh, they're still just as scary as they were in the 70s and 80s when it's like, no, they kind of fell apart for a little while. Like, yeah, they're just not as well put together. Well, that's um, the thing. Putin wants like Putin's the, the feather in his cap would be to take Ukraine and then it's a message to every other former Soviet nation. Like, look join what we or did. yeah. Yeah. Um, cause he grew up during those glory days of the USSR. Right. Like it was stunning when the USSR right. collapsed in, in 91. Well, like- I, I want, like, I want your take on this, uh, like this way of thinking, but kind of the way that I was explaining it to someone like right when this war started, cause they were like, why are they taking it? Why are they taking it? It was like, it kind of like in my mind, tell me if I'm wrong here. I feel like it'd kind of be like if the U.S. broke up into like four different regions and then all of a sudden like 
the Washington would still be the capital. And they're like, no, California is part of the U.S. And they and we attacked like California to bring them back into the fold. Or is that not quite? They're not accurate? equivalents. Like uh, you're talking about, Ukraine has their own history. They have their own language. They have their own identity. Um, they're they're okay. They're culturally similar and different. Um, is it's and this is an argument that actually uh, President Zelensky makes. He's like, look, it's one thing to take land back, but if the the people and the culture and the identity aren't there, what's the point? Then you're just right. taking. Then you just you know. Being... I mean, you could say that about like Texas versus New Yorkers. There's a pretty big like cultural difference there, right. right? The language is the same for sure, but like different dialects, different cultures, different values. Like, would it? I guess I don't understand the the breadth of the yeah. the differences the cultural differences between Ukraine and Russia. Oh, it's I mean they're they're there. Like the, Ukraine definitely has its own history. It's, okay. Um, it's but that can be said of most of the U.S. the former Soviet nations. Sure. Like they all have their own um, histories. Yeah. <laughs> well, so let's we got like five minutes. Let's pivot briefly to China Taiwan. Oh, okay. Because. Everyone's kind of like on the radar of like, what's the next thing that's going to go down? Yeah. That's everyone's like, that is the top betting line. Like that is, that is the thing that's going to quote unquote, like happen next. And what you said earlier is China was kind of looking at Russia to say like, okay, let's see how this goes. What, what is going to be the reaction from the rest of the world? How is this, how are they going to be able to defend themselves? Like how is potentially like, that's a pilot for what we want to do. Um, because from what I've heard, and I want you to confirm or deny, Taiwan would be harder to take. There's more people. There's an island. They're like have been preparing for a while. But one of the things that this professor on this other podcast was talking about is that they've kind of developed like a porcupine defense strategy. Like they're not turtling, which is just like hold down the fort. They are turtling, but they are just stocking up on anti-air weapons, anti yeah tank weapons like all these things it's like if you want to attack us like you are going to lose a lot of fucking people doing it but they have the people yeah that's the problem china's got china so many people has so many people they have a billion <laughs> and they are more people. fired up than russian people to take taiwan back they, they, and, and, i have heard or read it could be I, untrue i'm no, not sure. no i have heard the same thing like in terms of being able to lay claim to a piece of land Russia doesn't have the same uh, historical um, rights to Ukraine the way China does to right. Taiwan. Because it was part of China. It sure was and until their Japan civil war. Japan fucked it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they, they fought a war and they're like, no, 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 we're Taiwanese. Um, so, yes, China has a better claim to Taiwan than Russia ever did to Ukraine. But again, this goes back to like one of the earlier points of like these small and medium sized countries have a right to self-determination and sure. to being be able to be like, no, 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 we'll fight uh, until the death to, to protect our homeland. Right. And, and that's when morality and, and values come into play from the West 
Like we have, a, we're very selective about the things we choose to give a shit about. That's true. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like Myanmar is like, yeah, let it happen. It's like, like <laughs> but how long did it take us to get involved in like Sudan? Sure. Uh, yeah. Do, Yemen. Uh, we didn't even know we got involved in Sudan to a real extent. No, exactly. Okay. We didn't. That's what, that's. <laughs> I got you. Okay. Yeah, we're on the same page. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, you know, there's a conflict in Tigray right now. Yeah. Like, tell me where Tigray is on a map. You know, we don't give a shit. I can't. I have a map directly behind your head. I can't tell you where Tigray is. I stare at it every night while I brush my teeth. No idea where Tigray is. Like there's, you know, there's conflicts all over the world, but if we we pick and choose where we go, this is morally unacceptable for us. Yeah. um, I don't. I think Taiwan would be one of those countries where we go, no, 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 this is unacceptable. But also, semiconductors. They have resources. They do have resources, and think. I mean, this is like, I don't like to get political, but one of the best things that President Biden has done in his administration is say, we're going to start producing a lot of that at home. Yes. Yeah. We cannot become dependent on nations that are oil, semiconductors, any like strategic resource. Yeah. We have to have some sort of ability to create it here. I mean, I mean and that started before the wars, right? Like that started with COVID when we yeah. saw the way supply chains were disrupted. Yeah. You're like, holy shit, we can't build half the things we need because they're in fucking China. Yep. And China has taken this zero COVID approach to COVID. <laughs> Apple is now moving their stuff, part of their supply chain to other countries because they're like, we don't trust yeah. that you guys are going to stay open. Like, yeah. Accessible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, Taiwan is a, a really interesting case. Um, you know, it's not that far across the Taiwan Strait. No, you know? <laughs> no. It's, China's it's, got missiles to just lob them over yeah. that strait. It's and not like they have to roll in with tanks. No, and that and that's the same problem Ukraine is facing right now. Mm-hmm. It becomes almost a war of attrition. Like, how much are you willing to accept um, before? Your, your back is broken and you're just like, okay, enough. Hands up. Here's the white flag. What do you want? Right. Um, and then you try to negotiate for some sort of like everybody wins scenario. Yeah. But, yeah. Oy. Well, War. hopefully it War doesn't happen. War is always a numbers game. What? Yes. That is, that is true. Even in David versus Goliath, it's like, uh, hopefully it doesn't come to that. Um, I, so... I, I, I really like to, not to run too long, but like I, I think people kind of underestimate how much of the world is already involved in this mm. with the exception of like uh, South America, basically. Sure. But like Iran is providing drones to Russia. Right. And if Iran were to provide some more um, catastrophic uh, weaponry, then Israel would become even more incensed. Sure. Iran fucking hates Israel. Hates yeah, Iran. Yeah. They're not buddies. Uh, right, not buddies. <laughs> so now you have Israel providing even more support to Ukraine. Yeah, right. And like everybody is helping Ukraine with intelligence, with uh, sustainment, with supply. Uh, Iran is helping Russia with their drones. And China is sitting in the back watching all of this unfold. Yeah. I mean, stockpiles are getting depleted. This has... For all intents and purposes, this is a proxy world war right now. Yes, like it's, I agree, it's already happening. So I, I, I think right now President Xi, for of China, yeah. <laughs> for those of you who are like, what'd she say? Yeah, um, <laughs> is 
has his own battles to fight at home because there's yeah. there's there's some unrest and there's uh, protests happening right now. People are sick of the zero COVID policies, which it, he just like dialed back a little bit. He did, but like just not back as much as they wanted. So yeah. we'll see. But, but also, he's the first uh, president to do a third term, and they're like, no, 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 that we're not. We're a two-term nation. He got rid of terms in general. Well, he made it so that he could do a third term. I don't think he'll be doing a fourth. He's way too old. He's like... Well, okay. Yeah. So the... I know, or at least one one thing that I heard on um, the Daily was that just terms do not exist anymore. There's Or there's no limit on terms anymore in China. So like he could do as many... But if he dies, like obviously he can't do a fourth term. I don't... I just don't think... I think for the same reasons like any dictatorship is is bad is that China likes to pride itself on only the best of our best ascend to the level of government that's necessary to run a country of one billion people. Yeah. And if you fall into this trap of like only one person is leading the nation, then you might be losing the opportunity for the best of the best to lead mm. like and you lose a lot of and then you fall into the yes men situation right. and um you start limiting your capacity because you're only letting one person become the decision maker instead of right letting a fresh generation be uh, part of that decision making process yeah I, it'll be interesting i think like that's just like with russia it's up to the the chinese people to be like hey we don't like this anymore right 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 there's nothing we we can't attack china we can't move into china like we did with iraq yeah. and say like hey we're flipping regimes here oh no no no, no, no. that would never happen yeah. <laughs> nor would it happen in in russia right. there, where there's there's no regime change has to come from within there um and that'll be really interesting to see yep yep this is a really interesting podcast. I had a lot of fun. I was <laughs> like, we'll have to, um, we'll have to have you back on. Hope, well, all right. If something starts again, definitely coming back on. <laughs> Hopefully, nothing starts. We'll get you back on soon to talk about, you know, other like maybe the war in Ukraine ended. We could do like a retrospective of like, you know, what what ended up happening. Oh, um, the, the end of the year always does that. Like you're you're always taking like <laughs> stock of like how, what, yeah. what's happened this year. And this year is just like war has changed forever after Ukraine. It's we're never going to fight wars the same way we used to. Yeah. I mean, it's just so different. All right. Well, we'll have you right here the next time something changes. <laughs> Probably like, not. I'll be fighting in the war. Just oh, okay. Well, <laughs> we'll we'll zoom you in. We'll do a zoom one. You're like I'm on the front lines and you get blown up during the zoom. The be no. Oh, thanks. Right, we don't want that. Thanks, no, 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 no. I'm just trying to get views, you know? Um, where can people find you? Uh, Instagram is the best at Lynette underscore Palladino. Okay. I, I got a website out there, LynettePalladino.com. Great. Even if you butcher the spelling, I'm confident you'll still find me. Yeah. you'll. It's not hard to find Lynette. Um, you got shows people should go to? Oh, actually, I do. I don't know. When's this coming out? Um, Monday. Oh, on Monday. A few days from now. Well, yeah. then you will be right in time. Um, Caroline's is closing. Yes. Caroline's on Broadway. Caroline's is closing. Uh, and the, the GOAT, the greatest of all time, David Tell. Yes. Uh, yeah. Traditionally does the last week of the year there, basically. Um, the week in between Christmas and New Year's. And I've been fortunate enough to open for him during those shows. Hey, that's awesome. And I will be Hosting, there. Hosting, featuring? 
Uh, yeah, just a like guest spot, like ten minutes. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I'll be there Wednesday, December twenty eighth at eight p.m. at Caroline's. Hell yeah. yeah! He's so funny. Even you if sh- you weren't, even if you weren't there, I'd be like, everybody yeah. should go to that show. You should all go to that show because Caroline's is closing. It's a historic place. Um, it's that, a good venue. Uh, it's one of the last chances you're going to get to see David Tell headline a, a club that seats 300 people in New York City. Yeah. Until he works out an arrangement with, I guess, Gotham. You know. Yeah. So good luck to Gotham. Don't. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, talk about a windfall for Gotham. Uh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, right, right, right. Don't miss it. Come Definitely out. not. Yeah, go to that show. Follow Lynette on Instagram. Follow me at Corey T Comedy on all social media, and come to my weekly show in the East Village called Ope, a comedy show um, that I run with Chris Ryder, who's been on this a bunch of times. Lynette's done it before. We're gonna get you again soon. Hell yeah! Um, <laughs> and a bunch of other guests from from this podcast are always doing that show. So, thank you, Lynette. Let's thank do you. One soon.